G'day there, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast for this, a review of the Hungarian Grand Prix. And I'm joined, as always, by my friends and yours, the two Thomases, Tommy T and Thomas J. Camp. G'day, gentlemen. G'day, mate. Gentlemen, how are we? Very good. Thank you. The uh, joys of live broadcasting strike yet again. Wow. So it's uh, it's good to be here. Oh, j- look, what an absolute race. Campy, I hope you have bought not only a fleet of rubbish trucks to get rid of the absolute <laughs> idiots that have taken part in the Hungarian Grand Prix, and everyone else associated with it, but also a trash compactor to make sure that we can fill them over and over and over again. It was an incredible race. Uh, first of all, though, a big shout out to our Discord server. Uh, yet again, just going absolutely off chops, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, and please feel free to join that. You can find the link in the description below. And if you're watching the live stream on YouTube, it is in the same position. Uh, lads also wanted to shout out to Kyle from the US who's left us a five-star review. Uh, so thank you for doing that on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate uh, everyone who's taken the time to do that as well. Uh, and the last point to raise before we get into all of this stuff is uh, we're launching a MotoGP podcast. Uh, Tommy T doesn't care about that because he's not Don't involved, care. but Campy, <laughs> <laughs> that comes out tomorrow, which is very exciting indeed. So yeah, uh, fun. look, go and jump uh, across. You'll also find the link in the description below to, to that podcast or just search uh, MotoGP. You will find the Lakeside Drive image there. All right, lads, let's get into talking about the race. Of course, uh, plenty have happened beforehand. If you haven't listened to the pre-drinks episode of our podcast, go and do that. Audio only first. Campy, let's start with you. Talk to us about, well, the incident really, wasn't it? It was, it was well, Valtteri Bottas. Well, we finally got the torpedo that we wanted, didn't we? We were <laughs> talking about Daniel Kvyat up the inside, taking out half the field up the front, but uh, this time it was Valtteri and Lance Stroll. Uh yeah, took out half the field. It looked like the uh, red seed parted for Danny Rick straight into second place. We were super excited, and then slowly but surely, Stroll went up the inside. Took uh, who did he take out? He took out Charles. himself, Charles, and someone else. And then Signs went into Danny Rick, causing massive rear end damage. But uh, there's a couple of guys up the back that that made the most of it. Uh, Ocon and Vettel, shocking starts. Didn't do anything right in the bin for me, and then. <laughs> Come out in P2 and P3, so it's just, that is motorsport sometimes, and, and we saw a, an incident like that, I think the last time was Malaysia at night in the wet too, so you know, it's the last time I remember anything like that happening on the first corner. Yeah, not not good, and especially not good for Daniel Ricciardo, who got an absolutely epic start, uh, and he needed a good start, didn't he, in, in terms of how he's performed over the weekend, and just wrong place, wrong time, and it was Lance Stroll having a leisurely crash into Charles Leclerc, and Charles Leclerc literally just really, really poor in terms of spinning him around, like spinning Daniel around. The, the amount of people who had contact but was still facing the right direction Unfortunately, Daniel wasn't one of them because, of course, with the uh, red flag and the restart, he could have found himself further up the grid. But anyway, we'll talk about Daniel in a little bit. Uh, Tommy T, what was your take on the whole situation? Um, I just can't believe how lucky Ocon was. He Everything just worked perfectly for him. He had a shocking start, which benefited him. He ended up on the inside kind of trying to go behind some people. He, tried to, he almost like s- slowed down right at the end and it just – parted perfectly for him just to slot through and end up in second. It was unbelievable 
just luck for him. Um, but that is like Campy said, motorsport, and you've just got to make the best of it when it happens. Um, yeah. But we'll get we'll get to the rest of the race later because yes, he was lucky at the start, but he also backed it up, which is yeah, amazing. absolutely. I did. Yeah. I've got a couple he of other points it. here too as well before we get into that. Sorry, Campy. Um, my favorite part of the post race was a. Toto Wolf sitting on the Sky stage with Simon Lazenby and Toto Wolf was apologising for what happened to the Red Bulls just as Simon Lazenby in his wisdom said. No, he wasn't. Said, he, he literally was as he said, so, so Toto, Toto, sorry, yeah. Are you actually going to apologise to the Red Bulls? Literally as he was apologising, Lazenby spoke over the top of him and then Toto's like, yes, as I just said. I've come and to I said publicly, that Sky. I'm sorry. Yeah, just terrible reporting yet again. The whole weekend was not good. It was not good. So does it, does this mean Valtteri's got himself a job for next year? Because that was like playing the team game, right? <laughs> <laughs> Completely did the right thing there. Took out both rivals for his teammates as so he could take the lead in the world championship just before the mid-season break. I, uh, what a move. I like Tommy it. T, we no. always talk about like <laughs> – Oh, well, all we need to do is see Bottas be a good rear gunner and just take out the Red Bulls. He's listened. <laughs> he did it. Goodness. I don't think it's going to be enough. I reckon based on this week, Latifi's going to get the drive, so everyone just needs to stop the silly season. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Latifi has proved that he is the points getter for that Williams team, so he's going up to be the teammate of Lewis Hamilton. You heard it here first. That I've never seen. I've never seen <laughs> Nick Latifi on a broadcast ever, and then I've never seen so yeah. much Nick Latifi and so much Williams attention um, <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> and geez, I'm glad he out, outperformed George. Um, <laughs> well, isn't it ironic? That means at the end of that means at the end of this year, there's going to be two years in which George Russell has outqualified his teammate at every race for three years straight, and he's been beaten in the world championship. <laughs> yeah. But twice. he's the second coming. He is the next. He's the savior, isn't he, George Russell? Oh, we'll we'll get to Williams in we'll get to Williams in a little bit. Um, another <laughs> another interesting moment, lads, that I really enjoyed was Lewis Hamilton saying on the radio regarding Alonso's moves. He moved over on me, man. It's dangerous at these speeds. Well, he would know. <laughs> oh my gosh, he would know. That is a Seriously. true statement. Uh, Can I just say shortest no, memory ever? <laughs> Go on, Campy. Can I just say, that is why we watch this sport. That yeah. was the best five or six laps of racing that I have seen in the last three years. Yeah. Since we've started this podcast, I'm going with, that's why we love it. How good is Alonso? Just the composure. Not that he was quick, and he's going to get past any other track, but this track, he just positioned the car right in the position in which uh, Hamilton was going to put his car in order to get the pass done and just squeezed him out. And uh, the guy at 40 years old still hasn't lost it. We talked about this here. He started a bit slow, you know, three or four races in. We were questioning him. Ocon was pantsing him, got the big contract, and then, bang, Alonso's come a lot, figured out the car, the wheel-to-wheel racing at at those speeds and around that section of the track. Just amazing to watch. And uh, it was Alonso that got... That got him the win in, at the end of the day. One hundred percent. It was it was that work. I think. Um, I think when uh, if Hamilton wanted to win that race, it was when Raikkonen came out in the front of him and, and Alonso made that mistake. If Hamilton wanted to win, he had to get past him straight away. But 
Yeah, just the uh, the cheeky Spaniard just knew where to put the car. Oh, it's just good to watch. Tommy T, you and I were actually pretty sort of like, I mm, don't know about Fernando Alonso coming back into the sport and we were poking a lot of fun at the bear, which is very yeah. rare for us to take the piss out of we camping. We don't do that. Not at all. We are consummate Never. professionals here, aren't we? Yeah. We are consummate professionals. Sure. You guys couldn't take the piss if you try. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, nice just to not proved, even in you. it's nice to be proved wrong because the guy who yes. just turned 40 – which also backs up my point about we don't always need, you know, teenagers in these cars all the time, was outperforming a world champion. And he said, and I say outperforming because he said after the race, Lewis was making mistakes and he was positioning the car in the wrong place for about 10 laps, which surprised yeah. me. I thought it was coming earlier. And then after he got past me and he came around signs, he repositioned his car coming into one and then took signs immediately. And he said, yeah. so I think Lewis was actually struggling. And this is the guy yeah. who can say that kind of stuff. Two-time world 100%. champion. He's, he's been around. I, I just want more Fernando he's, Alonso in my life. No repercussions. He's the old guy now. He's like, what are you going to say? I don't care. He's like, he, I'll just... I wonder I'm if he has I want a be. helmet. I wonder if he has one of Lewis's helmets yet. Future world champion. He might. <laughs> Rockstar. But probably gift. You could, you Alonso could. should give Hamilton one after that race. Yeah. Say, there you go, that's, that's for your, uh, it's your collection. <laughs> Chuck it into the tyre yard. But with the rest Al- Alonso was playing chess out there and, mate, he, he, he had every move that Lewis was going to throw at him sorted counted and ready into the next corner well and truly before Lewis had even thought about it. He had him absolutely licked for about eight laps there and literally cost Lewis getting the race win. Yeah. Outstanding. Now, we need to talk about the biggest, I cannot believe I'm actually reading this as I woke up this morning news, and that is Sebastian Vettel being disqualified for not having an additional 700 millilitres of fuel to take out for a sample. Uh, the regulation states that at any point during the race that one litre of fuel needs to be taken out for scrutineering for sure. and they could now, only get be, out. I'm going to say, and I'm going to push back on what you said before about the best thing about F1. I'm going to say this is the best part of F1 is waking up the next day and having the race result completely <laughs> overturned because of some stupid rule that didn't happen on track. I, I think that's why we love this sport. Am I wrong? Can't <laughs> be. <laughs> what the hell's going on with this? Because I think that is the biggest, like, we, we're redesigning this whole car. We want more racing. We want all these things. We want fans to be involved more. And they can't have an additional seven. Like, how big does the sample need to be? Is there fuel in the car? Mm, one mil. Yes, this is fuel. Good. Move on. Like, what a dumb technical regulation. Unless this they is should something just be about like, Can you start it up or not? I don't know what's does it, can't be Does it tick it. over? Yes, no. <laughs> well, look, I too am shocked. And I don't like the fact that we've got to change the result for Vettel. But he still did it on paper. It's a bit like Lance Armstrong winning the Tour de France. He still won the seven things, and no one can say they beat him. Vettel still like got second, did the interviews, did the podium, took the trophy, and then they took it after him. So in his mind, he still got it done. But to play devil's advocate, he still like there is a reason why we have these regulations. And it is fuel flow sensors. We saw Ferrari cheating a couple of years ago with that. What? We didn't actually know how much fuel was going in. Never. Um We've seen, we saw Danny Rick lose a podium for fuel flow at the start of the turbo hybrid era in 2014. Um, Red Bull have had a couple of times with their fuel flow, and it, that's what it's around. See, Aston, uh, Aston Martin's technicians came out and said, according to our records, we should have 1.4 litres of fuel in there, and it shouldn't have been an issue. But that suggests that there's either something wrong with their calibration or they had more fuel flow going through the thing. That's why they have uh, going through the motor. That's why we have these regulations. Am I a stickler for the rules? Absolutely not. I don't want 
I don't want to pull drivers up on things happening for stupid things that don't affect the outcome of the race. Um, a bit like the Renault over-revving for 0.001 of a second uh, in Malaysia a few years. That, to me, that stuff, cut it out, get rid of it. But there's a fine line between where it comes down to these engineering things because if you let people off with it, we know Ferrari's going to cheat like hell to, uh, <laughs> to, you know, to make it work. So that's, yeah, I can say it 50-50. Can I just have a quick shout-out also to our live stream People, Adam Hughes, Sledge TV, Aya and Hollandsworth, hello to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Campy, you're absolutely right. But uh, Tommy T, you and I spoke about this just before as well. The biggest thing out of all of this was the promotion then of Carlos Sainz to third. And here is the tweet from Scuderia this Ferrari. Is podium. Uh, at Carlos Sainz 55 has been promoted to third following the disqualification of second place finisher. <laughs> It's just the disrespect of and Sebastian Aston Vettel. Martin has come he back jerks. in a tweet with a gif of Seb saying, I'm Sebastian Vettel. Can Ferrari <laughs> stop being such a bag of idiots? Like, what oh. is that even? Why can't you even say your name? Like, oh, just whoever this it's social media chick is that we saw in Bloody Drive to Survive that was like, <laughs> no, Seb, do this. And says, like, are you kidding? But anyway, you're an idiot. Oh, True story. Unbelievable. Dumb, dumb, dumb Ferrari. Really pathetic. And disrespectful of Seb. Four-time world champion. Get bloody better at being alive. Okay. Well, shit organisation. Not wrong. Why would you buy buy McLaren? (laughs) 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 It would just suck. Thank you. It would hurt my ears to work for you. Thank you. Thank Rescind you so his much. job offer now. I look forward. I look forward to never offering you a job. Not that I would have done anyway. Um, all right, let's talk about all the teams from backwards to front. And we're going to start with where we were just talking. Aston Martin, unfortunately, with Seb Vettel disqualified. And Stroll having, as I said before, a leisurely crash into Charles Leclerc, into Daniel Ricciardo. Um, must be really nice being a terrible driver and just having no repercussions about how you perform each weekend. Campy, what's, come on, what's going on? I've always said about Stroll, he's a one in five race driver. He'll pull it together. But we're 11 races in, 12 races. 11? Yeah, 11. And he's done nothing this year. Absolutely nothing. Started off really poorly. Uh, We saw Aston Martin as an organisation. Tried to sue the FIA and get some regulations changed. (laughs) Go down the legal route so that his son could get some points. Just ain't going to happen. But that's what happens when you copy a car from last year. (laughs) And the the flow-on effect to this year is the car's really not that good. And if you're not Mercedes, you can't make it work. So, yeah, Stroll for me is uh, I emptied the bin last night. Took everyone out. (laughs) Stroll was the first one back in. So... (laughs) Um, <laughs> no, he's just – I mean, there's got to be another driver out there that could take his seat and fall and compete better. The first person that comes to mind is Nico Hulkenberg. He's, he would make that guy look like an amateur. Yes. And he'd probably beat Seb too. Yep. But, oh, no, his dad owns the team, so let's get him back in. Oh, ridiculous. Tommy T, we're not <laughs> happy, are we? Uh, I'm not surprised though. I've, I've kind of just given up trying to have this stroll hate because it, it doesn't do anything. It's not going anywhere unless he, I don't, <laughs> unless I mean, he starts doing serious damage and getting disqualifications and like getting race bans and things. Like he's going to be around for a while, I would think. So we just kind of got to deal with it and just root for his teammate to absolutely own him every week. Yeah, yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna we're, one day we're gonna celebrate him having three hundred. Grand Prix starts, and we'll be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? 
He's the new Rubens. <laughs> one in five. What have you? What have you done in this sport? Not even one in five. It's one in zero at the moment. <laughs> that fraction doesn't work. I don't think. Mate. Uh, I will call you out, Tommy T. He's not the Rubens. Rubens Barrichello, really passionate, super lovely. Cries when his son races. Really talented driver. Went up against Michael Schumacher. Stroll has done. Um, oh no, 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 no! I love Rubens. And, I'm just saying, just um, race starts and. Oh, he hasn't done anything. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, Poor and it's, let's talk. About- it's it's a, it's sad for Seb as well because look, Aston Martin is, yeah. fighting it. Let's hope that comes off. Um, let's talk about Haas because Mick Schumacher was had like the two championship contenders behind him. Admittedly, one had a broken car, but the other one didn't, and he was holding him off. Now I understand a lot of the things as I said, broken car. Yes, yes, yes. Blah, blah, blah. Facts, facts, facts. I don't care. <laughs> Mick Schumacher was doing such a good job and I was happy to see it. Tommy T? Big fan. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. Um, he had, like you said, two championship contenders behind him for a long time and was causing havoc, letting the other midfielders run away with it and probably was a big contributor to why Lewis didn't actually get back to the start. Max never had a chance, I don't think. Um, his car was cooked from the start. Yeah. Same with Daniel. Um, but genuinely, like, he was doing the right thing regardless of their pace. He was doing exactly what he should have been doing. It was good to see him actually having some wheel-to-wheel kind of action and defending some moves properly, like, because he hasn't had to do that other than being blue-flagged all year. That's kind of yeah. the only way we've seen him contend with these guys. Yeah, I yeah ra- raced him hard. Good wheel to wheel racing. Yeah, it yep. was got his elbows out. Great wheel to wheel. That's what we want to see. Seb would have been that's, proud. That's yeah, that's what you see from these young drivers every now and then. It's the first time we've seen it with Mick all year, and he got the job done. Yep. Unfortunately for his teammate, Mister Mazespin, <laughs> how how could they stuff up the unsafe release? Yeah, really. in the pits. Look. I get that it's the start of the race, you know, and I lose a position, but it's not like they had position anyway. Yep. Yeah. They were just trying to gain. Uh, just super frustrating. It was Raikkonen's fault from memory, wasn't it? It was. It was Raikkonen. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Yep. feel sorry. For, I feel somewhat sorry for that guy because uh, he doesn't probably get the – I don't want to say – he doesn't get the credits in our bank because we never see him on track. Yep. And we don't really look at their, their times at a – Closely enough to give them give him an honest review, but yeah, he's in the bin too. But Tommy T, it's more importantly because we actually got to see. The, I mean, the, whoever the TV director was decided yeah. to show again, like Nick yes. Latifi and uh, Schumacher, which we often don't see. Even Giovinazzi got a little bit of a showing as well. But yep. the that was really important, and I think really important for his confidence too as a young driver. And Campy, he probably has good wheel to wheel racing with Mazepin as you say, but we never see it because he's so far back off the pace. And, of course, the TV director doesn't show everyone. It's not like this podcast where we're fair and talk we about are. everyone in an equal we way. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, we're not. <laughs> Let's move on to <laughs> Alfa Romeo. The most podcast on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're not wrong. Uh, Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen in, uh, in 10th uh, and Giovinazzi in 13th. Of course, these are all the results after... Uh, Vettel's disqualification. So if he wins the the battle, all of these people get pushed down a place again. But uh, look, good for good for Alpha, I suppose, to get a point. Uh, I mean, they need it now to close the gap to to Williams, which never thought we would be having that kind of conversation. Yeah, what's going on? But they uh, they were probably it almost looked like they were the weakest car on the grid. Yeah, would that be a fair assumption, Campy? 
Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they lack pace. Uh, again, they were held. I mean, Kimmy held up uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen for about fifteen odd laps before he pitted. Uh, Kimmy got past him in the end, and it was only because of Seb's disqualification that he got that point. Um, that's really. I mean. They were terrible at this track, let's be real. Yeah, um, qualifying was horrible. The car just wasn't qualifying. set up. I mean, Latifi and, I believe, Latifi and um, GR beat out-qualified both of them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, not good for them, but they're probably concentrating on next year. I think we're at that point in the season where they've given up the ghost. Yeah. And, yeah, looking for next year and all the information they can extract from Kimi Larkin and, and, and Italian Jesus. So. <laughs> That is his name. <laughs> so good. Um, That's a good I'm name. I'm so glad yeah, you're you on said fire that. with the nicknames. You are on fire. Let's well. con- let's continue through the pack. Uh, unfortunately, the next team we're talking about is McLaren. Send help. Um, as we said, let, look, Lando Norris. Let's talk about Lando Norris before we talk about DR. Um, Norris, quicker weekend, of course, uh, and quicker than VB off the start, evidently, to put himself ahead of him, which, <laughs> well, that was the mistake, obviously, wasn't it? Um <laughs> Yep. But in terms of his reaction after the race, I mean, this is, uh, he was going on, I think, 16 races of scoring points for McLaren, which he, 15 was already the longest uh, stint of any McLaren driver ever to, to score points for a team, for that team, sorry. He looked really gutted. And this is where, this is the first crack to me that it kind of looks like this isn't the well-polished Lando that we've been shown so far. And I think we mentioned in the pre-drinks yesterday, Tommy T, in terms of, uh, you know how he doesn't ever talk about Daniel Ricciardo when he when he's talking yeah. to camera. Uh, what was, did you what did a, you take of that? He was a little bit sooky after the race. I felt as well. Like, mate, some things like that happened. Like, yes, you were very unlucky with it, but at least you know it wasn't your fault. It was nothing you did. Whereas if you had a poor result, you can be a bit like kind of down on yourself. To be that frustrated and kind of. I don't know, very sooky almost like, woe is me, I'm hard done by, this always happens, like they're out to get me kind of vibe he was giving off was odd rather than just kind of like, oh, this is racing. I've been on the other side of this and benefited, which he definitely has. He he just seemed like a very childish kind of reaction. And you're so right, like not once has he mentioned good that Daniel got some points or kind of he, he very rarely mentions his teammate. He's always like, we did well as a team, but never specifically mentions Daniel, which is an odd dynamic because from memory, he'd always mentioned Carlos and most t- teams, the drivers will reference each other and how they're going. Like we saw with the Ferrari guys, how much Leclerc was like, oh, shadowed for Carlos, even over the radio when that had happened in his crashing qualifying, he was like, mm. I can understand it's gusty, like crazy out here. Like there's genuine kind of camaraderie. And, but it seems like Lando's just distanced himself and thinks he's, the hotshot around that campus uh, at McLaren and doesn't want to hang out with the new kid. Yeah. What's going on, Campy, for your mind? Oh, I think the results would suggest that he can sort of walk around with a bit of that arrogance too. But I think what we're seeing play out is we're seeing decisions probably being made off track in the garage to get the car the way that Daniel Ricciardo wants the car. Yeah. So they're changing um, – they're changing the way that the brake-by-wire system happens. They're adjusting engine modes and brakings to get a familiar feeling that um, for Daniel to get the car set up for him. There's probably a bit of that going on, but you've got to remember, this guy's representing the team. Look at Sergio Perez and Bottas and the way they handled themselves after it. Yes, they got experience, but this kid in his third year of F1, who is he's having a really good year, 
should know better by now and he should be trained a bit better. I just think it's a bit childish and he needs to sort himself out. But he's in for a very, very rude awakening when the team will start making decisions based on Daniel Ricciardo. And they already have yeah. and they're going that way. And Daniel's yeah. not there yet, but he's closing the gap. Um, and uh, long term, I just think it isolates himself from members of the team. You know, mm. If they see it that way, I don't like it. I, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of Lando, and I have been. Yeah, um, I mean, now he's coming up, Danny Rick. It's like, geez, we hate him already because we're Australian, so it's like you're the enemy <laughs> number one. Yeah, so <laughs> he- well, let's, let's be real about it. But I just think there's a way that you can handle yourself professionally in this era. It's not yeah. yesteryear. It's not the nineties. It's not the early two thousands where you can be a Michael Schumacher type or. A, um, do things like Mika Hakkinen on track or and win world titles. Or what. You can't get away with that now because people expect more from the individual. They expect to be the bigger person and the, the person that's fair to the nth degree at times. And I don't necessarily like it, but, it, yeah, I, Lando's got to get – he's got to get an attitude check at some stage. But it's interesting that the uh, – the contract that he signed too. Mm. I mean, he signed for three years, I think it was, for $6 million a season. That is nowhere in comparison to where McLaren and the investment they're putting into Danny Ricciardo, over the three years, it, wouldn't, it doesn't even touch what Danny's on for one year. So there could be a bit of that. There could be a bit of infighting. But as I said, that kid is in for a rude awakening next year when the car's completely different, it's designed around Daniel, and his driving style won't adapt to it because he's had three years – so used to one system and the evolution of that system and knowing how to tweak it and change it that uh, it's, it's it's he's going to look like egg all over his face. <laughs> and we predicted it here first at Oz F1. So. <laughs> or whatever this podcast is called. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Formerly known. Uh, in in yeah, the live stream, just... Captain Virtual says, uh, Campy, this podcast has not even come close to the bias of most English podcasts, which is a correct statement, which is why we're having a conversation that Lando really needs to just take a couple of steps back here rather than being like this. And I think also the biggest thing for me is he's gone from so buddy-buddy to Carlos to yeah. really figuring out that, geez, if I don't sort my life out here, I'm going to get my ass kicked, which hasn't happened necessarily, but he's gone so far the other direction. Uh, in terms of siloing DR, that of course we're not going to like it because we're massive fans of DR. But also, Daniel doesn't seem to be that kind of person. Like he's very yeah. similar to Carlos in the in the he's really great on track. He's professional. He needs to be, but has a bit of a laugh. Like I think maybe he's Carlos a and Daniel. Guy. I don't know why you wouldn't want to hang out with him. Yeah, it seems bizarre. He doesn't seem like he'd be different behind closed doors. We could be completely wrong, but from all indications, we know Daniel behind closed doors is a bloody legend yeah. and would be an easy guy to get along with and just good to collaborate with on getting more out of that car. One of the Rather than trying to things, go at your own, Lando, you big weirdo. One of the interesting well, things. Don't try and get too big, too big for your boots too early, Lando. You've done absolutely nothing in the sport other than get a couple of podiums. I've said this before, but you know what? Statistically now, Esteban Ocon and Pastor Maldonado are better drivers <laughs> than you on track, which All says something Pastor. about you and what you've actually achieved. So just calm down. You'll get it together. You've got a chance. You've got a long time in this sport. Figure it out in the first two years, not the third. Yeah, Maldonado back to Williams, by the way. That's who I want to see next year. <laughs> good good segue, Campy. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, obviously just gutted, but uh, considering how much damage he had to hold off Max for as long as he did, you know, is is was pretty good, to be honest. Unfortunately, still he doesn't get a point at all. 
Um, he had just as much or if not more damage to his car than yep. Max Verstappen did. And not one mention of him on commentary in the start nope. that he got. No love nope. for Danny Rick at all. He's on the nose at Sky Sports uh, the UK. because he's Lando's teammate. Yeah, because they've, they've picked the side, mate. And this is the thing yeah. that we keep saying we're really – like obviously Danny Rick biased here, but we can't stand the British commentary. Um, one of my best mates, Alistair, just arrived in the US and he was in a hotel in LA yesterday morning and, and thinking about, oh, actually, Formula One's on because I was messaging him and he goes, I'll just turn it on ESPN. And I was like, oh, who have you got commentating? He's like, Crofty. I'm like, oh, I can't even bloody escape from him in the US. How do they deal with yeah. that? Bloody hell. Yeah, it's terrible. Like the jokes are – anyway, uh, I don't like it. <laughs> yep. I don't like it. But Daniel Start, absolutely chef's kiss. Now, we need to really keep saying, don't we, and it frustrates me that we need to keep doing this, that he will get it together and that 2022 is the year that Daniel will shine. A lot of people have been saying to me, oh, that's it now. Why didn't he just stay at Red Bull? Um, let me give you a hot tip. Stop asking me why Daniel Ricciardo didn't stay at Red Bull. Because I got two words for you, helmet Marco. All right, and then everything else aside yeah. from that is what it is. But he's here. Yeah. He's where he is now. He's still performing better than where he performed at Renault in a similar time. Next yeah. year we got regulation changes. He's an epic driver. Let's just lay off him a little bit at Australian Formula One fans. He will come around. This will happen. I have the confidence. And if I don't, if whatever, okay, cool. Whatever, we move on. But we still don't need to write him off. It seems like we're probably the only podcast that actually continues to talk about him. It's crazy. It is crazy. All right, let's move on to Red Bull. This is a weird order to be talking about things. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Max weird. Verstappen in ninth as a result uh, of uh, Seb being disqualified and, of course, Perez DNF'd. Um, I saw image of, or footage, I should say, of Valtteri Bottas going up and apologising to uh, Perez, which was really good. Like, uh, good, you know, VB made a mistake and he's going... He's got a lot of cap-in-hand action going on, trying to <laughs> apologise to a lot of people and a five-place grid penalty, of course. But Sergio <laughs> Perez, um, it, you know, disappointing for him because this was an opportunity for both Red Bulls really to put some more, I guess, room between Mercedes in the front of the Constructors' Championship, not just the Drivers' Championship. Uh, but, of course, we didn't get to see any of that. So it was just unfortunate. Tommy T, uh, should we talk about your fellow Dutchman a little bit? Poor Max. To be honest, though, I think <sighs> crap for him, but he handled it really well, I thought, considering. Oh. Did not crack it. No dummy spit. Just got on with it. Had a damaged car. That would have been the shittest thing to run around and try and get a point, which is what he got at the stage. It's been elevated to two points now, which is he'd be stoked about, I'm sure, um, as Hamilton's bloody almost doubles. But he could have just thrown it in, retired the car. He didn't. He did the right thing for the team. He was like, we can get some points here. That would have been a hard day for someone who is fighting for the championship and is watching it slip away as his rival just gets to overtake him twice, I think it was. it's That guy is such a professional now and he is not the young, immature Max that we saw crash out early before his race in Monaco. He is so different and I think if anything, going into this mid-season break, it's going to spur him on to come back really focused. He's going to be less vocal in the media about it and he's just going to get shit done. He's not going to be playing the games because we're seeing that like that's actually been playing into Lewis's hands, mm. I feel, the kind of very uh, media-facing stuff that Max and Lewis were engaging in. I reckon he's just going to shut up and he's going to race really hard and he's going to give it right to Max because we saw it happen and Campy, Campy remembers the Nico um, fight with Hamilton. Like 
it's so mental with Lewis. You can't give him any fuel to that kind of narrative. Lewis loves a bit of Lewis and he he thinks he's in a movie and he's the, the star of the movie and if you give him some kind of thing to overcome, he will. So just don't give him any fuel for that fire. Yeah. And yeah. Cabby. Bit like him bit like MJ, don't poke the bear. Yeah. Um but I think oh, look, yeah, I think Max had himself brilliant, as did Perez. Yeah. I think uh Helmut Marco's got egg on his face. That guy, oh. what an absolute dickhead. Moron. Um and I'd tell him that. Like, yeah. we should get a sign at the Oz Grand Prix next year, Helmut Marco. You Are we go. driving to Adelaide. Um Yeah. It can't be in Melbourne, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't also be in well, Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, look, Marco, he'll come out and say, oh, Valtteri Bossas deserves a deserves a race penalty too. So, um, yeah, a bit of a shame really. I mean, shame for Red Bull, but it's a bit of good riddance for me. You carry on like a Muppet and that's what happens. They thought they had – they thought their car and the way they were talking off track and acting off that track, they thought they had this world championship in the bag. And the last two races before uh, before the mid-season break, look where we're at. They've lost it. Had two pretty much DNFs. Um, and there you go. That's what happens. It's motorsport. I'm looking forward to the next half of the year because that – it is going to be a brilliant fight down – Right down to the last race, I believe. I think um, I think the first three or four tracks are very, particularly Spa, I think they're very suited to the Mercedes. Yeah, uh, a bit more high speed, um, and 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 middle like high speed corners with uh with not a lot of downforce needed. So, uh, you know, we're moving into a bit of Mercedes territory, and it could be like the start of the year. We saw the first five or six races; they were Mercedes dominated. You know, they were the better car until we. Until we got to the uh, Red Bull mm. ring, you know the twos, and 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 Max went on that you know five five race run of uh, pole positions mm. and wins. So, oh, sorry, I believe Perez got a win too. So, it's going to go down. It's going to be strat. It's going to be track specific for the rest of the year, and we don't really know where we're going yet. No. I mean, we could get two two coders, which is awesome. Absolutely, one hundred percent in a Mercedes track too. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the last you know, 12 races. If we get them, I'm not sure we'll get all of them, but we'll get at least 10. And uh, it's going to go down the wire. It's going to be bloody exciting. The One last thing to remind ourselves of is that Max is also essentially DNF three races as well. And he's yeah. still in the championship hunt. This one's pretty much a DNF. He had not a competitive car. And two other races, he hasn't mm. been able to put a result through no fault of his own. So we've got to remember that he's got three nil versus um, Lewis has been in every race. And think how lucky Lewis has been in retrospect compared to Max. I think back to Imola, he ended up off and that red flag saved him, managed to get back and fix his car. Anyone else with no red flag, that would have been race over, no points, yeah. but he managed to claw that back. So I think we're going to see a little bit of shift back towards Max's favour with a bit of luck and hope, just hope that it comes back in his way and not so much in Lewis's like it has in the first half of the year. But look at Mercedes. They would be absolutely fuming about the points they have left on the table at this midpoint way of the season. I mean, they left seven or eight points on the table yesterday with the fastest lap. Now, if Lewis had a padded, uh, had a pitted and gone to slicks, like he should have, he he knew, should have, yeah, he should have done it. Um, I know Toto came out and defended the decision, but they left another eight points on the track. Think back to Baku, left. You know, got the start and went off. You know, he had a minimum of 18 points there, probably 25. I just, 
I think this championship is not going to be decided by like the drivers themselves. It's going to be decided by some of the team decisions that mm-hmm. they make off track when to pit stop and when not to pit stop and the points that you leave on the table because of those poor decisions. And I think, I think, I mean, the drivers, we know the drivers are going to get it done on their day and when they got the car to do it, they'll do it nine times out of ten. It's just these days like yesterday where Red Bull seem to be the ones that are coming out with a bit of bad luck at the moment. But Mercedes had some bad luck earlier on the year too. Mm. So um, interesting. It'll be very interesting to see. It is definitely a battle off the track at the moment, as you absolutely say. And everyone kept saying, oh, can't wait to see the drive to survive, you know, Netflix crew getting around this. We don't need to. All the Sky Sports, even F1 itself and everything else, Mm. is is overhyping the story to the point where, of course, Lewis and Max sat in the same press conference. They just can't bloody help themselves, F1. And Tom Clarkson's <laughs> there. And I know whispering. what you think of Tom Clarkson. <laughs> whispering. Uh, Speak up. Say, saying to, <laughs> asking the question, you know, or was about to go on the question about if Lewis gets up and alongside you, Max, and Max goes, stop, stop. I've had enough of these bloody questions, except he didn't say bloody uh, can we just not like it's all happened and it's all done? You know, I'm sick of it. Can we ha- talk about something else? Like, like at the end of the day, we're competitors, and yes, we're going to push each other and we're going to do so fairly and we're going to race. I was like, thank you. That is it. That is the end statement. That should all Love have it. been what have came out of last the the fortnight ago with yeah. instead of this nonsense with Alex Albon and bloody Marco and and Christian and just it's crazy. It just, no, even to the point where after Toto had said sorry twice because Lazenby wasn't listening, and mm-hmm. as he brought Christian Horner onto the stage, Toto walked past him and apologized again, and Karen had a smug look on his face. And Christian said to it. Uh, sorry, Toto said to Christian, "Be f- be friendly." So, it, who in this in this environment now? Who actually has the Ugh. upper hand? Oh, like it's Mercedes, oh. absolutely. I think Mercedes, Toto's got yeah. Toto's Toto's definitely got the upper yeah, hand because they've won the last six, seven world championships. They've won the last and constructors championships too. They knock Red Bull off the off the off the porch and they have redefined this sport, what they've done in this turbo hybrid yeah. era and shown what is capable. We've never seen a run like this ever nope. before. So no, and Albert Marco's a liability in this in this fight off the track. That <laughs> yeah. guy's a loser. He also can't wear his mask properly. <laughs> Put it over your nose, mate. And literally everybody else can do it. People with wheel ja- wheel guns can do it. And you're walking around with the same mask that you put on in the first race in Austria last year. You haven't taken it off. You've built your own immune <laughs> system up. <laughs> Was yeah. breathing into the same mask. It's ridiculous. Before we get into camping, don't, don't yeah. mask. Don't go, bloody. Just <laughs> what do you bloody wear them in there the first place? There yeah. it is. Sure. <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to our uh, pre-drinks episode, extra special bonus content at the very end. Just skip to the last. Oh, I didn't 20 listen minutes. to it. What'd you put in oh, there? All of it. Oh, um, let's talk. <laughs> What, what speaking about Toto Wolf, that? that's for you to think about for the next 15 minutes. Speaking about Toto Wolf, no. ha- has this look, we came out of last uh, fortnight knowing or being told rather that Toto Wolf hasn't made the decision about the second Mercedes seat. Now we've come, yes, he has. We've come through, well, you should say Valtteri Bottas because he's just managed to, anyway. Um, mm. But we've come through this good success for Williams and good point scoring for George. George drove. Bloody well. And yes, we are talking about Williams this far up the pack now. George drove really well. He got past Schumacher, the onboard of him getting past Schumacher. And I guess, yes, I know Haas and Williams, but he put the the car in a really great position coming out of turn one and and held that line. 
and he looked really ragged after the race too. He was working exceptionally hard. Uh, is this now the weekend where Toto has decided that, yes, George Russell is going into this car? Tommy T, to you first. I think it's already happened. I think it happened at the start of the year, basically. I think... It's going to be revealed later on, maybe in a couple of seasons from now, that VB was tapped on the shoulder very early on and going, mate, you're done. You're not getting re-signed. Do your best. If you perform well, we're going to give you every opportunity until the end of this year to perform really well and get yourself another seat, but you're not coming back, mate. Um, I think I think that's going to come out. The nail in the coffin was Abu Dhabi last year when he stepped into that race and shoot him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what I mean. That that for me is when it happened. For sure. like, right. We gotta, we gotta promote some young. But talent. we saw George Russell. He was actually very emotional as a result of getting the points, and I genuinely believe that. I know Campy, you said he's shown no emotional personality, but for this weekend, you could see the heart. Uh, he's shown plenty of emotion and personality. There's just not much of it. Anyway, he's shown it this weekend a lot. Maybe he's just catching up. Um, for all of the effort that Claire and everyone else has put into the team to this point, and now, of course, they're being rocketed along by their new owners. Uh, really good to see. Some nice, wholesome content. Rocket was a former sponsor, mate. They're not there anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, good. I was like, who's Rocket? Uh, yes. Um, but also Nick Latifi, as we said, who outscored. <laughs> Which is so great. Favorite Canadian. So glad. Um, he was his post-race interview was fantastic. He was very happy, very smiley, uh, nailed full of emotion and character campy. Uh, had a lot of good things to say, nailed the interview. I want to see more of Nick Latifi, is what I'm trying to say. I want to see him yeah. uh, in the in the car t- next year, absolutely. I don't want him to lose a seat because watching him drive and hold that third position. Yes, I know DRS train and it's hard to pass, but he held off so many faster cars for he such did. a long period of time. So, I mean, really, Espen yep. Ocon has two people to thank for his win, Nick Latifi and Fernando Alonso. Campy, yep. Williams, yep. though, for both of these guys, actually had a good weekend. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. Love to see it. Yes, it was a race where there was a whole lot of incidents at the start with like the top six runners. <laughs> Got kicked out straight away, but that we always have one or two races like that a year where the grid is thrown up in the air and results like this happen. And it's good to see that it was on a track that that favoured um, that favoured a Williams car because I mean you can't. It's hard to pass on this track. It's very difficult. We can see that, and uh, they were able to hold hold cars up in DS trains, which you know. All their luck went their way yesterday. To have Latifi running in third for as long as he did, great for the organisation, great marketing. Not that we saw a lot of it on track, but, um, yeah, I think it's it's what we want to see in this sport. We want to see that the underdogs get up. We want to see the, the closing of the field and the gaps, and we're seeing that in qualifying. We haven't quite seen it on track. Um, but this is one of those races that everything gets thrown up in the air and let's 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 see what happens. And it's good to see that Williams got a result, got some points. Getting points is good for them. They, uh, oh, they get cash anyway now. They've changed that rule. But um, it's exciting. Yep. It's good to see. They're on the up. Um, we encouraged Claire last week for everything that she did previously. And I copped some flack for it online, but that's cool. <laughs> you copied um, any kind of flack? Stop it. What? Yeah, I even responded to it too. I was did just you? like, geez. I actually, the guy had a fair point I too. actually think he's I, watching the live stream as we, we speak, so be nice. Uh, <laughs> it, no, it, he had a fair point and I thought about it like that, but you just sometimes you just can't be so cynical and angry. You've just got to actually look at it. And, yeah. Uh, One of – 
you know, you've got to be positive. I will say, though, they had a terrible qualifying, and I was pleased that Mr. Saturday yeah. wasn't a thing. Um, Adam Hughes <laughs> on the live stream is saying, George Russell is now Mr. Backwards Sunday Russell. Because <laughs> he Jeez. performed on a Sunday. George but it's boy. good. And you know what? I'm glad to be talking about Williams at this point in, in our conversation around the teams, yeah. and I'm glad to be talking about Nick Latifi more. Honestly, I think like Giovinazzi, it's, it's good to do. It's good for the sport to be able to see things outside of Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton crash. Really. And it'll be good when Valtteri gets yeah. a race win with Williams next year. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Alpha Tauri. Uh, Alpha Tauri performed very well. Uh, closing, they were, I mean, really not as good as their main championship points rivals in Alpine. But again, good weekend. Uh, it was also great. Yuki Tsunoda getting on the radio, telling <laughs> the team to tell uh, Gasly to hurry up. And then in the press pen afterwards, trying to confirm what he was trying to say wasn't that by saying exactly that. <laughs> it's, I wasn't trying to tell Gasly to get out of the way and to switch drivers. What I actually said was saying, oh, I saw him making a couple of mistakes and he couldn't get the tyres on, so maybe we should switch drivers. He was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I, uh, I played myself. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll do that once a podcast too, boys. <laughs> <laughs> but... Realise I'm talking shit, and then I'm like, "Well, I would know that if I could do that." So, anyway. But anyway, good result for these guys. You know, this. I mean, I, look, they were down towards the back of the grid, which was the place to be, as Seb Vettel said, and Ocon has point uh, clearly made uh, apparent. Uh, but they were in a good position, of course, to get some points. Gasly uh, struggled a little bit for pace, as Yuki said, um, but then strapped some new boots on and, and went for fastest lap of the race. So. There's yeah. obviously performance there. We know how good Gasly is. Uh, it's, you know, he's not going to McLaren next year, that's for sure. But there is hope for him somewhere else in the sport. I hope. I hope for, for his sake. But Yuki Tsunoda, sure. that is a performance that he needs to be doing once every couple of races to impress, I think, the Red Bull team and us that he should be staying around for next yep. year. Campy, did you, are yep. you putting uh, Gasly back in the bin or can he come out for a little bit? Oh, I'm just not a big rap for him. As I said, I just think he's going to have a career like Sergio Perez. He's going yeah. to be that guy. And he's always going to be tainted with the first in, in Red Bull and how astonishingly bad it is. So I don't need to say any more about that. It's a shame because he's driving well, but Pacheco is driving well too. Pacheco was driving well for his whole career after his first initial stint in McLaren, but he was tainted by that and he's getting a shot now and not really making it work. So... Prove me wrong. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he one day gets on the podcast and says, Can't you're full of shit. I can't stand you. You're the reason that I drive. You give me motivation to get up and do better. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Imagine not that. not going to do that at all. No, but like people that hate him or not hate him, the doubters in him yeah, say that. Yeah. But anyway, I don't need to say that. they got some genuine pace. The Honda Power is good. <laughs> Yuki Sonoda, geez, he's in the bin, I reckon. Oof. He's that bin's full again. Bloody hell! No, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Uh, no, look, he's look, he's had, <laughs> he's had a. It's good, James. He's had half a year. Uh, they put him in too quickly. He's no, he's not up to. He's not. We he's said not this yesterday in the pre-drinks opinion. that he he's been rushed in in the typical Red Bull way. They've ruined yet another driver's Dr. career. Helmet. That's a, that's the simple answer to the question, isn't it? Can yep. before we move on? Yep. Can I quickly get who's your favourite French driver? <laughs> you have to pick one. You can you can say Leclerc if you want. Monogas counts. Grosjean. <laughs> yeah, right, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Ocon probably. It's not what? It's not Gasly. It's not Gasly. I'm going Ocon. Wow, I'm, I'm shocked. Going, I'm going Ocon over Gasly. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. I've just never. I've just I'm never. Shock. The very first. The very first podcast we did. James bought him up. I'm like, don't raid him. Don't. I think him. James. I know what it is. He bought. Campy bought a trench coat and then saw <laughs> Gasly wearing the same one, <laughs> and now he's pissed off. That's what it is. He's jealous of how no. good he looks in the trench coat. Now he only has to exclusively wear his Minardi trench coat around the place and not his AlphaTauri one. I don't, look, Paul, I don't if you're listening, really he needs care. another Minardi jacket. I'm sure you've got stacks sitting in your Boeing 737-200. See, as I said before, you guys wouldn't know how to take the piss if it tried and hit the door and go to the joke. You two are absolute muppets. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your blessing yet again. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about Ferrari and their useless team, but not a useless driver in Carlos Sainz managing to get a after-hours podium. Uh, as one of the guys on the live stream said, Carlos Sainz is very skilled at after-hours podiums. He's special. He's <laughs> uh, yeah. one of his skills. Mate, he did it all, didn't he? He was the strategist. He did everything. He just about got out and did up his own wheels. Yeah. Bloody legend. <laughs> Spot on. Yeah, Carlos. Yeah, he's I love that he made the Carlos. call, Carlos. Yeah, I love that he made the call. He could see what was happening, and that is a hard spot, as the commentators point out. Yeah. One of the good things Nico said is that's a ballsy move to make the call when the strategists have all the information, and you've only got a very limited view from mate, in the cockpit and what you can see. Mate, he saw to make that call and be so confident. He was so right too. He watched Ferrari and Seb Vettel last year and their ability to strategize. <laughs> yeah. And he knew, I mean, I quite like the last Ferrari strategist and apparently he's gone Aston Martin. But, I mean, Carlos Sainz has to step up because they don't yeah. have strategy in Ferrari. They don't. No. Ever. They just It's react. always terrible. It's emotional. It's always just like Campy's running it. It just doesn't make sense. None of it. <laughs> and Pachal, again, um, fairly good qualifying. Oh, mate, I run a tight <laughs> operation. You don't need to worry about that. <laughs> Uh, it's not me that's worrying about it, but my friends at the AFP. Um, <laughs> Carlos, yep, did well and and good to get through. And uh, you know, I I'm I'm glad for him because after the issue that he had in qualifying, it was yep. good for his confidence to get back. Charles again had great pace, and of course, un- unfortunately, if Leslie Stroll hadn't had allegedly crashed into him, he probably would have done very well as well. But we won't know. Um, the only thing, as well, of course, though, is that means that Ferrari claw back some points closer to McLaren in the constructors' championship. Uh, they're not quite there yet, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for third, I think, the longer we get. So that's why Daniel needs to start performing and getting some um, some wins. Just not some wins. Well, some wins would be nice, but getting in the points <laughs> at least that would be good. I believe. I believe Carlos has overtaken uh, Charles in the drivers mm. too. Well, that will happen when Charles that wasn't was racing. So I suppose. <laughs> Yes. 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 But I think yeah, they're both great drivers. So Ferrari choices. actually has a good lineup. Um, at least that's saying yeah. something for the on track, unless not the off track. Uh, Mercedes, uh, VB, as we've said before, unfortunate rookie error. He came out and said, apologized for it. He gets a five place grid penalty. Um, does he deserve more? Maybe. Look, it's been done. It's like the same thing in the Hamilton Verstappen incident. It's already been decided. We don't need to go into it afterwards. I'm sure Helmut Marco no. has on had speed dialed the lawyers. Straight away, uh, talking yeah. to them, trying to see what they could do. But, uh, yeah, shame for VB. He obviously looked dejected. Um, and it was nice to see, you know, his uh, his support crew around him. But it's hard to watch, isn't it? Knowing, as you say, boys, that he's probably already knows his fate for next year. Oh, well, he's got 10 races left or 12 races left in this team. Come out after the season break and perform the way you wanted to from the start of this year. Try and take home. 
I think three victories in his last twelve races would probably be on his on his list to achieve. And if he can do that, well then he's he's ended strong. It didn't quite work yeah. out the way he wanted to, but hey, that's it. If he can help win another constructors championship for Mercedes in a in a battle that's gonna be the closest that we've ever seen of what we've seen in the last seven years, then then that's that's what he's looking for. That's got to be his new target. I don't I don't think he can realistically win the championship from here. I mean, he mathematically can, but um, yeah, just get a bit of perspective, reset, and see where he goes. You know, we spoke about him going to Red Bull next year. I think <laughs> not anymore. <It's>, well, <laughs> you don't think? But it's be- <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I walked through that one. Didn't I? Um, but it would make a logical. I think you'll get a drive in F one yeah. next year because you've got to remember he's he's up against the greatest results driver of all yep. time, um, and you're always going to be harshly judged. You look at some of the greats that drove against Michael Schumacher. Um, yeah, it's a real shame for for Valtteri, but it'll work out long term for him. He's he's got a long time in this sport if he wants it. And I think anywhere else he goes, he's the number one driver. Yeah, really. absolutely. Other than probably Red Bull and Tommy T, what do you think of VB? I think he's, I think he's still got it. I think that team is not a good dynamic for him. It's not getting the best out of him. They're not supporting him where he needs to be supported. Mm. It's kind of like I don't think it's the same level of what we saw with Seb last year at Ferrari, but it's kind of got a whiff of that where the team's kind of moved on, and I, th- I think he's just times done. So he needs to find somewhere where he can go and he can become the Gasly, like. He is at Alvatore, where the team gets around him. He is the center. He is, I don't know, what supported the way he needs to be supported. He, yeah. He's still a great driver. He's still young. He's not old yet. Um, and yeah. and we saw how good he was as a young driver at Williams. We've seen how good he is next to Lewis. Compar- comparison to uh, Lewis, you're always going to look second best, but this guy's had moments, so I think we need to remember how good Lewis is as a yardstick to measure against because yeah. Valtteri is still an excellent yeah. driver and put him in any other car against another driver, he's going to stack up. Well, let's talk about Lewis because it's it, this was a very – there was a lot of whinging on the radio, but there was actually a pretty good drive at, at the end Damn to be able to driver. do what he could do. Um, and him on the podium, I know a couple of people were saying, oh, he's putting it on, but he genuinely looked absolutely buggered. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. I thought he was going to pass out at one point. I mean, if I think Esteban realized that as well and, and sort of helped him up on the this, this step, which was nice. Um, but he also had nice things to say. Post race, co- race conference, he was very complimentary of Esteban, very complimentary of Fernando, all of that sort of stuff. I know he sort of got on the radio of Fernando a bit, but it was good to see because, I mean, this is where the, the sport should be going. And, and even if Uncle Johnny was trying to protect him, saying, no, don't boo, no, none of that. Yeah, Thanks. Johnny shut up, Johnny. Shut up. So shut up. No one cares. Uh, it was good. I think for the first for the first time in his career, he's actually felt some support for the fans, like rallying behind him. And you can see it. Not that he hasn't had the support from the fans. Well, it's not particularly from me because the way he carries <laughs> on. I'm super critical of the guy at times. But he's... In the last couple of weeks, since the Max Verstappen incidents happened and the racial shit that went online and stuff like that, he has obviously felt some love from the fans and it may just change his perspective. And I think that's why he's been acting so calm, cool and collected off track in the way he goes about things. Um, but, mate, what a drive. Like, what a 
What a stonking yep. drive to come from on. And those passes were hard yep. to yeah, make. Man. He couldn't pass. He was struggling to pass Max and and Daniel Ricciardo at the start of the race. And then the team. I mean, the team Mercedes, they got the they got the strategy right. Um I think Carlos when when Carlos pitted, um yeah, it really, it really, that really knocked their strategy on the mm. head. I think long term. Oh, he nailed work, that strategy, mate, didn't he, Carlos? Yeah. But what about when he did his pit stop? His second pit stop came out onto the yellows, and he's running a one eighteen, yeah, like four and a half, three and a half seconds faster than the top guys. And within eight laps from the pit stop, he was back up to the rear of Fernando Alonso, where he'd been last previous. Yeah. I'm shocked that Carlos didn't pit at the same time or go early to try and keep that track position. But he was in a hard place. He was snookered, wasn't he? If he pitted, if he pitted, Hamilton would have gone up the road, although his tyres would have run out by the end. Anyway, look, it's an interesting one, but good on All credit to him. Got a second in the end at 18 pretty valuable points. And, uh, yeah. Things go. He writes the script, as Tommy yep. said. He's a star of that movie. But you know what? He delivers he every does, time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Alpine then, because Fernando Alonso, as we said, uh, inherits driver of the day. Fourth. He absolutely was a driver of the day. Yeah. Um, and Espen Ocon, of course, winning first. Uh, great for the great for the yeah. t- the whole team, and really nice for Fernando to be celebrating with Ocon, uh, and for the whole team. As I said, it's it is encouraging for them, of course. Not there because of pure performance and pace, but this is the kind of racing and racecraft that these guys need when something happens up the front to be able to step up and, yeah. and take it. And, of course, this just solidifies their decision to keep Esteban Ocon uh, for another three years, doesn't it, really? Yeah, and justifies Campion saying that chassis are the reason people aren't performing. Because yes. <laughs> clearly this chassis was working this week, wasn't it? No, I think it's really good for Alpine. They've Since they've come back and taken over that Enstone team, this is their best result, their, spe- their best weekend. It's good. I think it's going to keep them around in the sport longer because they were kind of on the fence because a lot of that team is owned by the French government, as far as I'm aware. It's kind of owned by the people. So I think this kind of result is going to reinvigorate that in the French supporters and they're going to want to continue. I think it's deserved for that team. Like we in our podcast with – um. Michael Italiano, we were talking about how that team culture was so different and they didn't have that culture yeah. of winning because they hadn't won. So, But I think that is starting to change. Someone like Alonso is going to be huge for that culture. I think that's a foundation that Danny helped start bringing there as well when he was there. But you're seeing the fruit of it now because they start believing that they can actually do something. Those pit stops under pressure for Ocon – as a race leader, yep. that is some of the best pit stops you're going to see because that is the highest pressure pit stop you could possibly have because yep. you, your race is lost because Seb would be through. And we saw Aston Martin stuff up their pit stop in relation. So yeah. full credit. So that's a team win for, for them to get first and fourth there. That is incredible job from that very kind of young rookie team in comparison to some of the others out there. Yeah. Campy? Yeah, well, when Danny Rick went there, you look at the uh, you look at the projection that he set out. He's like, we're not going to be getting podiums in my first year, but second year we're going to be competing for podiums multiple times. I think they got three last year and probably should have had a couple more. They were fourth. Danny Rick was fourth four or five times. And they always said this year was the year that they planned on winning. I don't think they wanted to win like this. I think they wanted to, you know, genuinely competing up track. But their trajectory and everything that that team has done – is what they've said they're going to achieve, which is good. I think Fernando Alonso helps. Um, and Ocon, 
I'm critical. Like I'm not critical. Of the guy, it's a great result for him. Um, last year he got shown up in a way that was it was just I didn't even think Danny Rick would beat him that as badly as he did. But he got absolutely pants last year, so it'll be good for the guy's confidence. Um, and Fernando Alonso, jeez, look. Oh, sorry. Ocon, right place, right time for me this race. And that's, you know, he didn't win it purely on track uh, and purely on his pace because if you had a clean race, it's just not going to happen. In saying that, he drove start to finish basically in the lead and uh, that's all you can ask for under pressure from a four-time world yep. champion in Sebastian Vettel the whole race. Didn't put a foot wrong. Um, so... Good on him. I think the team's in good yeah. shape and they'll be happy moving And yep. Seb mentioned as much in his press conference, didn't he, uh, James, saying how much he was pressuring and Esteban just didn't fault. Yeah, yeah. He yep. Seb had the faster car. There is no shadow of a doubt there. But as we know, Hungary is a hard place to overtake. So Ocon just kept him out of DRS for most of the time. Uh, and as you say, pit and strategy, excellent and, per- and perfect. Yep. And yes, as you also say, Tommy T, Italiano helping – I mean, Taliano made this win happen. Let's be honest. Uh, that's that's the takeaway. Get up on the podium, pal. End that conversation. Let's give it to uh, But it's all Let's good stuff. All him. good stuff. All right, lads. Uh, well, that's the that's the team by team analysis done and dusted for uh, well the, the first half. Even though we're not halfway through of the season, as we head into the summer break. Um, favorite time now. Talk about Fantasy League. If you're not part of the Lakeside Drive F1 Fantasy League, uh, go and join because it doesn't matter really what kind of points you score. For me, it's all about the names uh, in saying that. You say that because you're losing, Correct. mate. <laughs> How could you tell? Uh, uh, but I've chosen a selection, lads, of my favourite for this round. Uh, we've got David Waterpark Croft, Nicholas H. Yes, Ted didn't mention it once that I could hear, not even in his notebook. Uh, your booze serve only to fuel my power, Nikita A. Three <laughs> beautiful snowflakes, Lydia S., which I can only assume is Campy, Campy's beard and Campy's beanie. <laughs> Uh, Good old McLaren, Darren, James J, Esteban from my team, Jay Quinney. I put that in there because that's hilarious. Uh, I bet you wish you had him in there and turboed (laughs) from that weekend. And uh, last, and uh, send help, RIP us. Danny forgot how to drive-o and Chris Gray, who is also from Australia, so your uh, betrayal is noted (laughs) for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) He's made a list. Made a list, he's in, pal. He's in, he's the, in bin. the bin. <laughs> uh, the top three performers in uh, Hungary were Ryzen, Team One. Um, I mean, put some effort in changing name, team name, please. Uh, Hungary liked Toto Wolf, <laughs> Josh L. Well done, sir. And my score keeps cutting out. Okay, checking. <laughs> Lauren, I love that. As we approach Good. the summer break as well, Campy, unfortunately, is 28th. It's so depressing. As we spoke Damn about it. yesterday, oh, no, Campy's left Carlos signs in his fantasy team. Damn it. It worked out yep. very well. And turboed. Tommy T, you've dropped 10 places behind Campy at 38th, yeah, and I am 45th. Mine. It is Oh, it come on. Hey, Campy. Hey, Campy. Did you know that you get your Mega Driver back at the mid-season? So you didn't use it, you massive Yeah, you get idiot. two uses. Oh, really? So, uh, <laughs> oh, dear. It's not going well. Oh, really? You probably would yeah, have Mega Driver and then it would back. have been buggered for you. And we got to score two points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two points times three, six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. Well, well boys, great, hey, it's great. been a, it's been a good start to uh, the season, really, hasn't it? We've done heaps of content. We've changed the name of the podcast. Uh, it's all been very good. And look, we appreciate you guys watching uh, along in the live stream. Thank you for that. Uh, listening, rating, reviewing. All of it serves the algorithm, apparently, is all we end up doing now. So it all makes a huge difference. Thank you for that. We're a slave we to the will, uh, We will be back with new content in a couple of weeks, of course, uh, at the next Grand Prix, which is Tommy T's favourite track. Uh, but we probably will release our classic race review that we filmed at the beginning of this year, uh, halfway through the year, which is an absolute... It is awesome. We really enjoyed that. Oh, it's Belgium. You shouldn't have said anything. No one would have noticed that my hair was massive. You if noticed Tommy T's hair. Australian Jesus, that's what you were talking about. Now he's creating, he's trying to create Australia on his head as an island. He's starting with Tasmania uh, and it's only going to go well. Uh, Look, boys, thanks so much. Uh, To you guys too, if you are interested in Two Wheels MotoGP podcast, uh, we're doing that straight after this. In fact, we're recording that and that continues as MotoGP comes back from its summer break. So you get to hear Campy and I for that. But boys... That's it for now. Thank you so much for both of your time. Uh, can't wait to speak to you effectively in two weeks, even though that was recorded in like February and then again in a couple of weeks at Tommy T's favourite track. Don't <laughs> think about it. It's too hard. Thanks, boys. <laughs> See you soon. I like it. Cheers. <laughs>